1: A weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team.
2: Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include Congress continues towards a government shutdown, India revokes all Canadian visas, and the mayor of Wildwood has resigned. Here's your National News Recap for the week of September 17th. For the second time this week, House Republicans on Thursday failed to start debate on a key military funding bill after five conservative rebels blocked the measure over demands for additional spending cuts. The defeat marked yet another public embarrassment for Speaker Kevin McCarthy and House Republicans as Washington barrels towards a government shutdown. We are very dysfunctional right now, Representative Tim Burchett said, adding that the failure proves... That GOP leaders obviously can't count votes. The White House says Republicans are marching the U.S. to a reckless government shutdown. Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre told reporters Thursday the party can't even agree on how to fund the government or the military. She said they need to stop playing political games with people's lives and abide by the bipartisan funding deal made in May between Speaker McCarthy and the White House. House Republicans are currently split over how to fund the government beyond the September 30th deadline. A small group of conservatives is at odds with McCarthy and they're demanding deep spending cuts. The White House is defending its border policies as migrant crossings are surging. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said the administration has taken action to curb the flow of migrants into the US, but Congress needs to act to pass immigration reform. This comes as thousands have crossed the southern border and stretched personnel and detention capacity to the brink in recent days. In response, the administration granted more than 400,000 Venezuelans work permits and deployed military assistance. There are growing allegations that the federal government is failing to protect migrant children who cross the border. This comes from a group of whistleblowers who worked at an emergency shelter that was set up at Fort Bliss in Texas. The report suggests the case management system failed to match children with thoroughly vetted sponsors. It also claims that the Department of Health and Human Services did not keep track of the kids. This backs up investigations that found children were forced to work in unsafe and illegal conditions. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is back at work after a failed impeachment attempt, and he's blasting those who tried to oust him from office. He suspects that the political campaign started at the White House. He's focusing his rage at Texas House Speaker Dade Felon for allowing the articles of impeachment to be filed. During the trial, Paxton was not paid. That decision was made by the Texas Comptroller, and he called it petty. The Senate is confirming three top military leaders despite Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville's hold on confirmations. The chamber voted Thursday to confirm General Randy George to be the Chief of Staff of the Army and General Eric Smith to be the Commandant of the Marine Corps. This comes after General CQ Brown was confirmed to be the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. The confirmations come as Tuberville has held up more than 300 promotions in protest of the Pentagon's abortion policy. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer was forced to vote on the promotion separately rather than as part of a block. New York State is taking action to help certain migrants in shelters find work after President Biden sped up the work permit process for certain Venezuelans. Governor Kathy Hochul says volunteer workers are joining the National Guard to go to Venezuela to help them start applying for work authorization and to connect them with jobs. The Biden administration just granted certain Venezuelans temporary protected status, which allows them to get work papers within 30 days as opposed to six months. Hochul says the move should help free up much-needed shelter space and help many industries in New York State looking for workers. A manhunt is underway for a homicide suspect accidentally released from a detention center in Indianapolis. A sheriff's office asked for the public's help, looking for him Tuesday. Kevin Mason was released mistakenly last week due to a faulty records review by staff. It's still unclear whether the 28-year-old is still in the county. Mason was arrested on three Minnesota warrants, including one accusing him of a 2021 Minneapolis shooting. A sheriff's clerk thought she was fixing a duplicate booking for him when he was released. I'm Ellie Bruce, and that was your national news.
3: I'm Gavin Trutzenbach with your international news report. Our first two international stories today are coming from the BBC. India has stopped issuing visas to Canadian citizens amid an escalating row over the killing of a Sikh separatist on Canadian soil. India said the temporary move was due to security threats disrupting work at its missions in Canada. Tensions flared this week after Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said India may have been behind the killing on the 18th of June. But Mr. Trudeau said on Thursday that he was not looking to provoke India with the allegation, which India has rejected, calling it absurd. Speaking to reporters in New York on the sidelines of the UN General Assembly, Mr. Trudeau said, There is no question that India is a country of growing importance and a country we need to continue to work with. Relations between the countries, key trade and security partners, and US allies, have been strained for months. Analysts say they are now at an all-time low. There have been threats made to our High Commission Embassy and consulates in Canada, Canada, a foreign affairs ministry spokesman in Delhi, said. Hours earlier, Canada had announced it was reducing its personnel in India, saying some diplomats had received threats on social media. A statement said, In light of the current environment where tensions have heightened, we are taking action to ensure the safety of our diplomats. Canada's visa services remain open in India. The two countries have historic close ties and much is at stake. Our next international story takes us into Eastern Europe. One of Ukraine's staunchest allies, Poland, has said it is no longer supplying weapons to its neighbor amid a diplomatic dispute over Kiev's grain exports. Prime Minister Mateusz Morawiecki said Poland's focus was instead on defending itself with more modern weapons. But, the country's president later said, the comments had been misinterpreted in the worst possible way. Andrzej Duda said it was only new Polish weapons that would not be sent. Poland has already sent Ukraine 320 Soviet-era tanks, and 14 make 29 fighter jets and has little more to offer. However, the remarks coincide with high tensions between the two neighbors. On Tuesday, Poland summoned Ukraine's ambassador over comments made by President Volodymyr Zelensky at the United Nations after Poland, Hungary, and Slovakia extended a ban on Ukrainian grain. Mr. Zelensky said it was alarming how some of Ukraine's friends in Europe were playing out solidarity, quote, in a political theater, making a thriller from grain. Warsaw denounced his words as, quote, unjustified concerning Poland, which has supported Ukraine since the first days of the war. The two countries have since sought to cool the row down. Mr. Morawiecki was interviewed on Wednesday night by the private Polsat News TV channel, hours after the Ukrainian ambassador had been summoned to the foreign ministry in Warsaw in response Ukrainian leader's speech. The Prime Minister said, We are no longer transferring weapons to Ukraine because we are now arming Poland with more modern weapons. He was adamant Poland was helping Ukraine defeat the Russian barbarian by maintaining a military hub, but would not agree to Poland's markets being destabilized by grain imports, Polish state news agency PAP reported. Poland's military hardware has been depleted by about a third through transfers to Ukraine, and Warsaw is in the process of replacing it with more modern Western-produced kit. Arms exports to Ukraine will not stop completely, as Polish manufacturer PGZ is due to send about 60 artillery weapons in the coming months. Government spokesman Piotr Muller later clarified that only previously agreed deliveries of ammunition and armaments would be delivered, including those from contract signed with Ukraine. Asked about the Prime Minister's comments, Polish State Assets Minister Yaksik Sasin told Radio Plus on Thursday that, at the moment, it is as the Prime Minister said. In the future, we will see. Our third and final international story is directly about the conflict in Ukraine. Russia pounded energy facilities across Ukraine on Thursday in its biggest missile attack for weeks, firing what Ukrainian officials saw as the first salvo in a new air campaign against the national power grid. Power cuts were reported in five Ukrainian regions in the west, center and east, reviving memories of multiple airstrikes on critical infrastructure last winter that caused sweeping outages for millions during the bitter cold. Officials said at least 18 people were wounded in the airstrikes, including a 9-year-old girl, and a regional governor said two people were killed in separate overnight Russian shelling. Ukrainian lawmaker Andriy Osidchuk wrote on Platform X, Winter is coming. Tonight, Russia renews missile attacks on Ukrainian energy infrastructure. Grid operator Ukrainergo said it was the first Russian attack on power infrastructure in six months and reported damage to facilities in western and central regions. Russia's defense ministry said in a statement, its attack hit military industry facilities, radio intelligence installations, and centers for the training of sabotage groups. It said it struck all its targets. Ukraine has been racing to repair infrastructure after the attacks last winter damaged nearly half its energy system and forced grid operators to impose regular rolling power cuts. This year, Ukraine has better Western-supplied air defenses, but still has a huge challenge defending against attacks across such a big country. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach, and that was your International News Report.
4: I'm Riley Adams with your local news. From Fox 29... Wildwood Mayor Pete Byron his resignation Thursday, more than a month after being accused of fraud in the state health program. No reason was provided for the mayor's sudden resignation. However, officials did say his duties will be assumed by Deputy Mayor Christopher Simmons. Last month, a state grand jury indicted Byron, a former mayor and a city commissioner, in connection to allegedly fraudulent participation in the state health benefits program. The 12-count indictment against Mayor Pete Byron, former Mayor Ernest Troiano Jr., and City Commissioner Steve Mikulski reinstated charges of misconduct, theft by lawful taking, tampering with public records, and falsifying or tampering with records. As a result of the falsified records, Boudwood and the program paid over $600,900 in premiums and claims for Byron from July 2011 through October 2021, officials say. Fitzsimmons takes over just ahead of Irish Weekend in the Jersey Shore community, one of the busiest times for the city, and a weekend where more cars are expected for an unsanctioned car rally, where last year two people died. From 6ABC... Camden City leaders came together Monday morning to make a major announcement about a historic school. Superintendent Katarina McCombs says the new Eastside High School will stand as a symbol of the unwavering dedication to providing opportunities to every student. The current Eastside High School was constructed almost 100 years ago and has numerous problems, including roof and boiler problems. From NBC10. Police in Philadelphia are investigating after at least eight shots were fired, including one just inches away from the victim, when a man was slain in North Philadelphia early Thursday. According to Chief Inspector Scott Small, the incident happened at around 12.15 a.m. on Thursday when a 20-year-old man was shot in his face and hand on the 2700th block of Park Avenue. He said at least eight shots were fired from a semi-automatic weapon during the incident. In talking to NBC10 at the scene of the shooting, Small said that police have not determined a motive for the incident, but he remained hopeful that police surveillance cameras and cameras at homes along the street could help provide more information. No arrests have been made, but Small said an investigation is ongoing. From ABC7. One firefighter suffered minor injuries when two homes caught fire in Bayon on Thursday morning. The four-alarm blaze was reported on West 5th Street just before 10 a.m. Fire crews were able to knock down the flames within an hour and a half. The fire spread from one home to the next due to their close proximity to each other. Bayon Fire Chief Keith Weaver said police rescued one person before firefighters arrived on the scene. One firefighter suffered a minor injury and was taken to a hospital for evaluation. Eight people were left homeless as a result of the fire, and both homes have been deemed uninhabitable until they are repaired. The cause of the fire was not yet known but is not believed to be suspicious. Weaver Set. From CBS 3. Two schools in the New Jersey district had to shuffle schedules and transition many students to online learning after mold was found in dozens of classrooms. Both schools in Lumberton Township School District have made adjustments to allow the district and state health and education departments to remediate the mold. Lumberton Middle School students shifted to remote learning, and Bobby Runs Elementary School had its late opening Thursday. A total of 26 classrooms tested positive for mold, 10 rooms in Bobby's Run and 16 rooms in Lumberton Middle School. A letter from the district superintendent said Lumberton Middle School families should be prepared for as many as two weeks of remote learning. Middle school students day started at 10 a.m. Thursday to give parents and students extra time to prepare. Some classrooms in Bobby's Run School will be relocated to parts of Lumberton Middle School that aren't affected by the mold. Bobby's Run School opened on a two-hour delay. Superintendent Colleen Murray said things went fairly smooth Thursday morning and the district is trying to be proactive. From News 12, the Somerset County Prosecutor's Office says a Somerville man was indicted for attempted murder of a Manville Police Lieutenant. They say Brian Nazolek, 37, was charged with first-degree attempted murder stemming back from a police pursuit back on June 29. On that day, Manville Police received a motor vehicle theft complaint and located the vehicle Nozelik had stolen. As officers approached Nizolek and ordered him to stop, he put the vehicle in drive and accelerated towards the lieutenant, striking him with the front of the stolen vehicle and propelling him into another vehicle. Nizolek then struck several cars before he crashed into a home on North 5th Avenue before fleeing on foot. Nizolek has also been charged with second and third degree aggravated assault, second degree looting, second degree burglary, second degree unlawful possession of an assault weapon, second degree unlawful possession of a handgun, third degree resisting arrest, third degree motor vehicle theft, fourth degree possession of a high capacity ammunition magazine, and fourth degree unlawful possession of a knife. I'm Riley Adams, and that was your local news.
5: I'm Ada Dougherty with your Rowan News. Joseph Noppy, a social studies teacher in Tinton Falls and a Rowan University alumni, has been named New Jersey State Teacher of the Year. He earned his bachelor's degree in history and secondary education for Rowan in 2005. He was announced as the state's top teacher for the 2023-2024 year on Tuesday, September 19th by Governor Phil Murphy and Acting Commissioner of Education Angelica Allen McMillan. Noppy teaches courses in U.S. history and Holocaust, genocide, and modern Humanity. He's in his 18th year of teaching. Educators like Joe are the heart and soul of our state's education system, inspiring our youth and shaping the leaders of tomorrow, Murphy said in a news release issued by the Department of Education. The widely anticipated U.S. News and World Report college rankings moved Rowan University's overall up a full 30 places in a study released September 18th. In fact, the U.S. News and World Report 2024 Best Colleges issue, which many parents and prospective students followed to inform college decisions, boosted Rowan's rankings in numerous categories, including overall of national universities, a 30-place change from 193 last year to 163 this year, top public schools of national universities, an 11-spot change from 99 last year to 88 this year, best value schools of national universities, an 18-spot game from 122 to 104 this year, best colleges for veterans of national universities, an 18-place change from 131 last year to 113 this year, Social Mobility of National Universities, 116 place change. Last year, they were ranked 207, and they are now 91. U.S. News editors noted that for its 39th Best Colleges Report, they reviewed nearly 1,500 colleges and universities. Schools are ranked according to their performance across a set of widely accepted indicators of excellence, editors wrote. National universities like Rowan offer a range of undergraduate majors, plus master's and doctoral programs and emphasize faculty research or award professional practice doctorates. I'm Aidan Doherty, and that was your Rowan News.
2: That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce along with the Rowan Radio News Team.
1: I'm Jack Miller for The Rowan Report with your news from the professional sports world. It was a rough Saturday night for Rowan football who came back to the borough where the Ursinus College Bears were waiting for their revenge. The last time these two teams played was back in 1999 in the NCAA playoffs where Rowan won 55-0. Ursinus put on a show last weekend as they tacked on 44 points compared to Rowan's 21 under the Saturday Night Lights. The Profs have a loaded front half of the season against the Centennial Conference and Eric Bryant loves it when they visit Glassboro. Bryant had his second straight home pick six of the year which was the third straight pick six in a row for the props this season. Roan was able to pick up two more scores in huge ways towards the end of the game. Bakula IV found a hole in the brick wall run defense of the Bears and broke away for a 65-yard touchdown, his third on the year. One offensive play later, quarterback Thomas Goldsboro was able to spot Corey Gordon downfield and burn the Bear defender for a 75-yard touchdown. Coming into the game, Ursinus gave up only 50 rushing yards per game against their first two opponents, but Roan attacked the Bears with their run offense. Senior running back James Farah had 20, Two touches and scraped away with a season high of 68 yards and in total the profs picked up 158 rushing yards as well as 140 passing yards on nine total completions. Quarterbacks Noah Bernadie and Thomas Goldsboro split time again throughout this game even though Thomas Goldsboro won Offensive Player of the Week in his last start on the road against McDaniel. Bernadie completed four passes on six attempts before getting injured during the third quarter. Once Goldsboro substituted in, he aired the football for just over 100 yards on five completions with a passing touchdown. The profs this week have a bye week and their next game will take place in Glassboro once again against another Centennial Conference opponent as the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays take a visit to South Jersey. Kickoff for next week's game will be on September 30th at 1 p.m. From D3 football to the NFL, one of the biggest non-divisional rivalries went against each other as the San Francisco 49ers hosted the visiting New York Giants at Levi Stadium. The Giants coming into this game just came off an historic comeback win against the Arizona Cardinals after being down 28-7 and scratched away with a 31-28 win. The 49ers are coming off two straight wins after putting up 30 plus points in each game, which were also both on the road. San Fran was down a player as wide receiver Brandon Ayuk was ruled out a few hours before kickoff with a shoulder injury. The Giants were without one of their star players as Saquon Barkley suffered a high ankle sprain in the comeback victory in Glendale, Arizona and was ruled out for Thursday's game. It was another Thursday night thriller and the 49ers came away with the victory. Switching things over to the MLB, the Tampa Bay Rays announced this week that they will be moving to the gas district of St. Petersburg, Florida after unveiling a $1.2 billion new stadium that is set to open in 2028. This move now starts a countdown on Tropicana Field, the Rays' current stadium, which is regarded as one of the worst stadiums in baseball. Now to the West Coast, Shohei Otani underwent successful elbow surgery on Tuesday, ending his season and beginning the talks in regard to the biggest off-season hype around any athlete we may have ever seen. Otani's agent laid out a schedule timeline for the two-way stud, stating that Otani plans to be able to hit in 2024 and pitch in 2025. Everyone is also projecting that his contract will be worth over $500 million due to his ability to both pitch and hit at top caliber levels. This would be the richest contract by any athlete in history if Otani signed a contract worth $500 plus million. Again, I'm Jack Miller for the Roan Report with your news from the professional sports world.
6: I'm Megan Steckler with your own Report Business Update. Ice cream company Bluebell is looking for a new leader. Their CEO, Ricky Dixon, is retiring. He's been in charge for seven years, but has worked at the creamery in Brenham for decades. Dixon took the reins after a listeria outbreak in 2015. Three people died, and more than 8 million gallons of ice cream had to be trashed. He led the overhaul of the company's safety efforts. Wall Street is opening with stocks lower. This comes a day after the Federal Reserve decided to pause its rate-hiking campaign. However, the Fed indicated that one more interest rate hike is most likely coming this year in its fight against inflation. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500, and the NASDAQ were all trading lower. The number of Americans filing for first-time unemployment claims dropped last week by 20,000 to 201,000 people. Numbers out of the Labor Department Thursday morning show that figures are the lowest since January and well below analysts' predictions of 225,000. Continuing unemployment claims also fell by 21,000 to an almost eight-month low. New Jersey's American Dream Mall, which opened five months before the COVID pandemic hit, is continuing to hemorrhage money, suffering quadruple losses last year. The Mega Mall just can't catch a break, not with its 450 plus stores and Nickelodeon Universe theme park. Losses for 2022 quadrupled to $245 million as the mall struggles to attract more tenants. Customer foot traffic has been lackluster. That follows several disturbing incidents, including a decorative helicopter crashing into a pool full of children in February and a snowboarder hitting his head last December and dying in a freak accident on the mall ski slope. I'm Megan Steckler and this has been your business news report.
0: I'm Elle Lawton and this is your entertainment news. A new trailer is being released for the upcoming Hunger Games prequel. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is set 64 years before the events of the original trilogy. The film stars Rachel Zegler as Lucy Gray-Baird, a District 12 tribute chosen to compete in the Hunger Games. Tom Blythe stars as a young Coriolanus Snow as he mentors Lucy Gray before the 10th annual competition. The rest of the cast includes Hunter Schaefer, Peter Dinklage, and Viola Davis dates have been announced for the 2024 Sundance Film Festival. The 40th running of the festival is scheduled for January 18th to the 28th. In addition, online screenings will be available from the 25th to the 28th. Ticket packages go on sale on October 18th, while individual tickets will become available on January 11th. More information can be found on the website at festival.sundance.org. Taylor Swift's Eras Tour movie is tracking for a massive $75 to $100 million box office opening. The concert film launches in theaters October 13th. The National Research Group reported the number, but many believe it'll cross that threshold. According to The Hollywood Reporter, tracking a film like this is harder because concert films fall in their own category. 17 writers, including Game of Thrones author George R.R. Martin, are suing OpenAI and its ChatGBT program for unlawfully copying their works. Michael Connolly, the author of The Lincoln Lawyer, also claims his books were taken without his consent. The lawsuit was filed in Manhattan federal court, alleging damaging infringement to registered copyrights. Meantime, OpenAI said they respect the rights of the writers and they should benefit from AI technology. The Federal Trade Commission is now accepting applications for refunds through its $245 million settlement for the makers of the popular video game Fortnite. The FTC on Tuesday started notifying parents whose children made purchases on the game without their permission. Last year, the FTC accused game maker Epic Games of making, quote, it easy for children to rack up charges without parental consent. Parents can apply for refunds on the FTC's website. People must apply by January 17, 2024. New York City Ballet Orchestra musicians are rallying for a new contract. Before Tuesday night's show, musicians held a rally outside of Lincoln Center. Earlier this month, the ballet's musicians authorized a strike after their contract expired at the end of August. According to the union, the orchestra musicians are making 9% less in 2019. NYCB Management says their offer restores that 9% and includes bonuses That would raise the total to more than 17% over their current compensation in the first year. Negotiations are expected to resume later this month. Ringo Starr appears to be okay after taking a fall during his concert in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Wednesday night. Ringo and his all star band had been playing for about two hours and were performing Give Peace a Chance in their encore when the fall happened. Video on TMZ website shows Ringo trotting onto the stage and then tripping and falling. The 83 year old quickly got up and went to the center microphone. he sang a couple of lines of the chorus and then told the crowd he, quote, fell over to tell them to give peace a chance. Ringo then trotted back off the stage. I'm Al Lawton, and that was your entertainment news.
2: And that wraps up this week's edition of the Roan Report here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Rowan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day.